0: How's it going everybody welcome to tuesday april 10th this is the fifth best movie podcast basically how this podcast works is uh we go see a movie that came in fifth and the previous weekend's box office results we're gonna probably whine a little bit we're gonna laugh we're gonna have fun but we're gonna come back here we're gonna podcast about it so um if it's a good movie if it's a bad movie if it's new if it's old even if it's the same movie a second week in a row we're gonna watch it so please join us now on this cinematic roller coaster we call the fifth best movie podcast my name is john my name is Aaron, and this week we have a special guest with us, right, Aaron? That's right, we do. Uh, her name is Devin. Say hey. hi, Devin. Hey everyone! Welcome to the podcast.
1: Wow, thanks uh, for having Devin me. Devin is
2: a longtime friend of of us, the people, and the
0: podcast as well. Yeah. Friend of the pod, friend of John and Aaron. Yeah. And she's a friend of the people in general, just the general people of the world.
1: I hope so. Yeah.
0: John, I
2: gotta say, every every week you manage to slip a basically into the description of the podcast as you're going through it. I just give it and a And nice... I just cringe a little bit every time. <laughs> Why? It, it sounds like you're apologizing for the podcast. Really? That's how it comes across
0: to me. I don't know. So you're saying it'd be like a like I'm 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 substituting a more like coherent or maybe a more full description of the podcast for like a basically let me just dumb it down because i'm sorry this is a podcast that we're doing (laughs) i i think if you want to put it in so many words uh maybe (laughs) i feel like i just completely i completed that thought for you maybe okay but yes i don't mean to be an apology because i have fun time i think
2: we got a rock solid concept here and i want us to really dive into it
0: (laughs) so (laughs) speaking of our concept We know what movie came in fifth, and we watched that. Aaron, what... Actually, Devin, what did we watch this week?
1: We watched A Wrinkle in Time this week.
0: Boom. Before we jump too far into A Wrinkle in Time, let's talk about what else came in... What else uh, landed in the top five. Number one was A Quiet Place. Number two, uh, Ready Player One. Number three, Blockers. Number four, Black Panther. Uh, And then number five, technically, was Tyler Perry's Acrimony. But
1: uh, Here's the thing, though.
0: Take us there. We had a wild ride. This a week.
1: wild ride.
0: A, a cinematic roller coaster, you'd say.
1: It really was. I want to say yesterday we thought we were seeing. I can only imagine.
2: Right, because to uh, peel back the curtain a little bit, um, on Box Office Mojo they post an estimated uh, box office return during the weekend, uh, usually on Sunday, uh, and that doesn't get updated with the final numbers until. Uh, usually Monday evening or, uh, or Tuesday morning. And so that's when we know finally what movie. And so there were a few movies that were close between each other. It was between I Can Only Imagine, uh, it was Black Panther was in the mix, and then Tyler Perry's Acrimony. We're all kind of in that four through six range.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But here's the thing. So we're doing our research.
0: But here's the wrinkle. Here's
1: the... <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I can only imagine not playing in our city in any theaters at all. (laughs) Why? Because they've pegged our demographic. (laughs) Because they know nobody in our general area is going to see that movie.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Uh, So that was like knocked off the list even before we knew what the final standings were. We thought if this comes in number five, we can't see it no matter what. But then it didn't come in number five. Correct.
0: It didn't it? Got bumped. Yep. It, it dropped down to number six uh, by about 50,000. 50, so, so that means... Uh,
2: Tyler Perry's Acrimony was uh, is now officially in fifth place for the weekend. But much like I can only imagine, except I think for a different reason, that movie is also difficult to find a place to uh, go see in Seattle uh, three weeks or whatever after... No, this is its opening weekend. Its right? opening
1: weekend, yeah. No, no.
2: no. Same Second weekend? weekend? Okay. Second weekend, yeah. Okay,
1: yeah. I know because Taraji P. Henson, the star of that movie, bought out a couple of theaters for people to go see it in Chicago during opening weekend, which was not this Sorry. past weekend. She was,
2: she was pulling the Black Panther movie. Yeah, she's for oh, 100%. Yeah. Oh, boy. She, uh,
1: I follow her on Instagram, and she has been uh, promoting this movie so hard. Um, which kind of made me want to go see it, and then I just read the Wikipedia summary, and I was like, oh, I don't, though. I really don't. Yeah. Um, yep. So, and I think it uh, there were some theaters in Seattle that, that carried the film, but they dropped showtimes literally today because they weren't filling seats. Right.
2: We thought we were going to be going to see it tonight, and then the 6 o'clock showing just disappeared.
0: It
1: disappeared. So.
0: I was, I and I, I want to say real quick, I was so on the, like, kind of in the backseat for all of this deciding when and where what we were going to go see and I just kept getting updates because I I remember messaging Aaron saying okay (laughs) looks like number five this was like this was honestly at like 1pm on Monday and I'm okay it looks like we're going to see uh, I can only imagine and then (laughs) you send a breaking news tyler perry's now at number five like there's this battle going on between these two like like it's the polls are coming in and stuff i mean there really is a battle between those two things but in a more kind of conceptual
2: right yeah
1: Yeah.
0: and then uh and then those didn't happen it was just it was so great reading these updates from you guys it was super funny
1: so so John, why did we end up picking A Wrinkle in Time out of all the other movies in theaters this week?
0: I'm, I'll explain it, but I want to give the credit to Aaron because it was a uh, it was a idea that he had that maybe if we can't go see the number five from the previous weekend, we go see the number five that came uh, excuse me the number five for 2018. And you had another idea for watching the number five of all time. That's right, because for those who care about it, is kind of a really huge deal. That
2: Black Panther just this past weekend jumped two spaces in the all-time domestic box office gross rankings. Yeah, now landing at third.
1: Yeah, it hopped yeah. Titanic. Um, yep.
2: Yeah. that's right. Jumped it, the ship. Yeah, in one yeah, in did. a weekend, yeah. it yeah it hopped both Jurassic World and Titanic. So Titanic's now down to number four. Jurassic World's down to number five. So that was another one of our options, keeping with this fifth best movie theme. Uh, but. We decided, you know, we'll be able to probably Jurassic World's going to hold that spot for a while. Who knows? Uh, Infinity War might I was about cause to say. another shakeup yeah. uh, in the standings. But
0: uh, Wrinkle in Time felt like an opportunity. Uh, we went to go see it. Yep. And real quick, I know I keep dragging this out. <coughs> We're not going to quite get to Wrinkle in Time yet. We need to go over John and Aaron's predictions from two weekends ago because uh, we did not have a podcast last weekend, but we will discuss the film last weekend. Um, but two weeks before that, uh, we did have some predictions and we need to keep up with our score. So looking at the weekend of uh, March 30th, um, here is what the top five shook out to. Number one was Ready Player One. Number two was Tyler Perry's Acrimony. Number three was Black Panther. Number four, I Can Only Imagine. Number five, Pacific Rim Uprising. And both of us just forgot about Tyler Perry's acrimony. Yeah, 100% forgot about it. And so we only each, we only got, I got two, Aaron got one.
1: I definitely wouldn't have forgotten. Because again, Taraji has just been sending me live updates.
0: You got two and I got two. All right. Darn it. So the score is now Aaron four, John three.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Okay. So checking things off our list, we're now moving into last weekend's top five the number five movie which was pacific rim uprising and you wanted to give a quick spiel about that let's hear it so last week john was
2: sick we were both pretty busy and so we didn't get time to put in a podcast but i did get a chance to see the number five movie last week which was pacific rim uprising went with a friend of the pod david i gotta say i kind of liked that movie pacific rim uprising it was very different from what i was expecting um what I expected was for it to be more or less the same plot in terms of uh, in terms of giant monsters emerging from the ocean and attacking, uh, and but just a heightened level of all of the action set pieces
1: from um, the first one. Exactly. Yeah.
2: Yeah, um, but it was actually kind of reversed. Where I thought that they uh, did a clever job of. Um, I mean clever within sort of the scope of this very this world uh of the movie where it's it's all just riffing on pre-existing concepts in anime and in all these all these different things um you know your classic kaiju films like godzilla but uh the plot of the movie is uh rather than just having the the kaiju come back out because i was like hinted that oh they're gonna come back uh it was you actually got some Jaeger on, on Jaeger fighting uh, because nice. there's, um, there's this corporation that's building drone Jaegers and then the drones go rogue. And that felt pretty generic. But then you find out that the corporation isn't evil. It's Charlie Day's character uh, who's working for them, whose mind was uh, he had to mind meld along with Bern Gorman's character. The two scientists, they mind melded with, a, with the kaiju brain. In order to see where the what was on the other side of the rift, and so that infected his mind. And Charlie Day's mind has been taken over by the aliens that are controlling the uh, the kaiju, and uh, and so the the person who you thought was the was the bad guy in it um, turns out to not be a bad guy. Another thing I liked about the movie is that they took the main character of the first one and relegated him to like fourth lead status because he's just so aggressively boring yeah his character Scott right. Eastwood that's why Clint Eastwood's son oh yeah is not he mean. not in the first one he's not really all right well him and so Scott Eastwood uh mm-hmm. takes on takes the role of uh Charlie Hunnam in the in the first one um they're completely interchangeable just boring white guys uh but he's been relegated to like fourth lead status and uh, I thought John Boyega as the main lead of the movie was actually quite good. Uh, and the place where the movie really fell short to me, uh, which was disappointing, uh, was the action. I I don't think because the first one had so many so many high points, so many um, you know money shots, if you will allow me to use a crude metaphor, the second one just couldn't find any places where they could elevate. Uh, the action beyond what the first one had right um, and all the attempts to to do that just kind of fell flat and so that's disappointing like this is an action movie you want the action to be the highlight of it and it wasn't really cool um so overall pretty mixed but more positive on on that movie than i thought i was gonna be okay
0: so well let's just end it with would you recommend it to a friend?
2: Eh, maybe like if you liked the first one then go ahead if it if you didn't see it or if it wasn't your thing
0: don't bother it's okay. not gonna change your mind so moving to this week a wrinkle in time <clears throat> let me give you some stats okay getting a 40 percent on the tomato meter 31 percent of the audience liked it imdb uh it got a 4.2 out of 10 um <clears throat> this is its fifth weekend out even though it we're calling it the. Fi- We're not even really using the weekend results anyway. Um, starring a good old cast. Here we go. Um, it stars Oprah. That's the number one. Honestly. Reese Witherspoon. Let's be honest. Let's be honest. Uh, Storm Reed, Oprah Winfrey, Reese, uh, Mindy Kaling, um, Chris Pine, mm-hmm. Zach Galifianakis, Michael know. Pena, Derek McCabe, who plays Charles Wallace, my man. Uh, and then Calvin was played by Levi Miller.
1: He looked like a Levi.
0: He totally was. So a believable. Levi. Oh yeah. My
1: gosh. Yeah. He sold it.
0: Boy, howdy. Uh, he was wearing Levi's, too. It, I'm not it, joking. It I, was, saw the, I saw a little saw red tag. I saw a little tag. red tag. It was a Levi's commercial. There's a lot of just a lot of jean shots. A
1: lot of jean shots. Shot. A lot of denim.
0: Yeah. Uh, oh, this
2: is a, He played Pan in, in. Or he played Peter Pan in Pan. Pan.
1: I knew his little face looked familiar, but he's got a face that disney really loves right now which is the freddie highmore face <laughs> do you know this face so freddie highmore was maybe one of the kids in finding neverland he's now on the good doctor it's just like that like yeah you're kind of right. pale little nose brown eyes brown hair like it's just a look and disney's super into it with white boys
0: they're kind of yeah the sharp features yeah, yeah like yeah
1: the high cheekbones it's just yeah. there's something yeah
0: yeah you're totally right so, We've all
1: come from the same egg.
2: <coughs> yeah, disappointingly, they've moved away from the mid 2000s when, like, all of the male leads in the Disney Channel shows were all, like, Ashkenazi kids with Jufros. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I miss those days. <laughs> that was
0: my time. Uh, do you just want to jump right into the plot? My people. Cool. I'll jump right into the plot. <laughs> okay, here we go. 13 year old Meg Murray struggles to adjust to school and home life. Um, Ever since her father, Alex, a well-renowned scientist, mysteriously disappeared while he was studying astrophysics. And you've listened to the podcast before. Jump in whenever you want to stop us and uh, give your two cents. Um, You wanted to... I, I agree with you. We were talking about this before, how the science was... I don't want to say watered down, but it was kind of like mystified. And it was made very magical, right? I liked
1: that... They had a science room in their house, which I guess is like the study or office of the parents who are both scientists, which is fun. And they work together as a team and they study the same stuff on different scales. And this room is just full of monitors. The whole room (laughs) is just like Dell monitors stacked on top of each other. Yeah. And then very um, unclear like devices or like machines that aren't very big, but kind of have like electricity components and make lights.
2: Yeah. I've seen I've seen a video uh, on the internet of the thing that vibrates and makes different patterns.
1: Before. In like the salt? Yeah.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. I I got a demo of that in one of my physics classes and it, yeah, exactly. It's super cool. But at that same scene he says, "Yeah, okay, now you tune it in." And he said the voltage and the frequency, which I guess is something having to do with physics but right and then
2: he and then he jumps straight from there to and it's in your brain (laughs) like hold on there there were several logical leaps that you just made i feel like
1: um we did for the parts where the science connects to the mystical we did not get a lot of exposition as audience members on what that bridge was um to the point where I could not tell you what their parents like studied. Yeah. Right? Um,
0: they were just TED talkers. Yeah, and yeah.
1: And it and it seemed like maybe they Yeah, maybe they study like the universe and uh, that like so they're doing space stuff. I
2: yeah. think they were like in the vein of like the Dexter's lab sort of scientist. <laughs>
0: totally. Just I totally
2: they're just know scientists.
1: They, um, they also, do science. yeah, yeah.
0: I will really say felt. I will say, in labs, I thought it was very common practice, and you guys might have experience with this, where if you have glasses, you don't need eye protection. And at one point, he, like, trades her glasses for different eye protection to look at salt being That's vibrated right. on a plate.
1: But she was wearing not, like, goggles. They were, like, sunglasses. And I thought that was because he was trying to dress her up to look like Bono, because he, I see. That was that, that Ben Halen-Bono thing at the beginning.
0: Yeah,
1: okay, I get it. Can I just mention, before we move any further, that this movie is based on a book written by madeline we should probably
0: we should probably in the 1960s yes, that's, that's good to
2: acknowledge
1: so the book is is like pretty old and uh fun fact there was a 2003 movie yep. made for tv yep. that uh, i did not know this bombed so hard but was also bankrolled by disney um so disney's just trying to go again um because hard reset listen we got avert duvernay let us try again uh, it'll be The this director, time.
0: yeah. I'm sorry, I didn't say that. I didn't say the director. That's key. There's a key thing there. I mean, yeah. she's really been the, the star of
2: the movie in terms of how how this movie was marketed, which is kind of its own fascinating
1: thing. Totally.
0: Yep. Okay.
1: Bring us back, John.
0: <clears throat> Both Meg and her mother Kate believe he solved the father. The question of humanity's existence and theorize he was teleported to another world. Um, I was so confused when they like sat her down and handed her that little like open the what do you call those?
1: The gla- like the glasses. No,
2: the the, the, the thing house. that folds and,
0: and oh, you're, like, the little
1: origami thing. The
0: origami.
1: Okay, Fortune teller like,
0: looking thing. Okay. It's like a donut.
1: The thing that I didn't love about how they explained the science to the magic in this movie <sighs> is in the book. It really they take a lot of time to explain it. And the kids have this sort of innate understanding of what their parents study because they talk about it all the time. And that was sort of alluded to in this movie that she and her brother understood what science they were doing. The main thing which gives the book its name is that when you have a piece of paper, they describe it like a piece of paper in the book, and you have like a plane of existence which is like one level of reality, you can move... To one end to the other instantaneously by creating a wrinkle. And what I'm doing for the podcast listeners who can't see. You is guys are really missing out. Folding the paper in half so that the two ends <laughs> touch each other. Right. right. And all of a sudden you're sharing the same space with a space that was originally very far from you. Okay. Okay. Right.
2: I've seen I've seen that concept played out in other sci-fi mediums, so it makes totally. sense. Totally,
1: it's not uncommon, and that's the where a wrinkle in time comes from.
0: Okay.
1: Um, which is one hundred percent skipped in this film.
0: It, they in the in during the TED talk, there is a little like graphic behind him that does that exact right. uh, some, like
1: yes, on the screen behind him. There's the. <laughs> and you yes. see the
0: two. You see the wrinkle happen, and the two planes, and then. <laughs> yeah but it is just yeah it's missable but it was also not clear to me whether
2: um what they were traveling and we'll, we'll get into this because we haven't gotten to the part where they actually do any traveling whether they were Moving between dimensions or to right. other parts of the universe, right. or the the galaxy. At one point, Reese Witherspoon says it's her favorite planet in the galaxy. So true. I so true. felt so
0: in the weeds about that space yep. time travel. Yep. so Right. And that
2: that was part of what what was lacking in the in the bridge, like you're saying, Devin, between uh, the mystical and the scientific, is that they were so vague in some areas where it. Wouldn't have even really been difficult to make things a little more specific.
0: Mm -hmm. So I just want to confirm though, when they sat her down right after that, uh, sound rice plate experiment, they gave her the origami Mm -hmm. and then they said, Hey, just so you know, whenever we're split up, we'll always be together. I Mm -hmm. thought they, I thought they knew that made me feel like they knew that the dad
1: was going to leave. Oh, I thought it was because they're adopting this new kid, so they adopt Charles I Wallace, see. Okay. and they're saying like, it's not that we love you less, because we're gonna be spending a lot of time and attention on a baby. It's right. the just that you might not feel our love in the same way as you did before. That totally makes that, sense. That
2: baby might feel like it's our boss and your boss, <laughs> right? But but um, you you have to acknowledge that you know, right? It's not a boss baby. <laughs> hmm. It won't be bossing you around, but it might feel like it. Right. Okay. That is what that what that movie is about. <laughs> During I, the night, I can tell you more about what the Boss Baby is about than this movie that we just saw.
0: During the night, Meg's younger younger brother Charles Wallace. Welcome, huh. just
1: real quick. They cut two kids out of this movie. There are another two kids in this family in the book. They're oh, twins. Wow. Sandy and Dennis totally cut, and Sandy and Dennis don't travel in the books to. The, the other dimensions. I think they travel in later books because this is a series of five novels. Mm. Um, just want to say, anyway,
0: uh... R.I.P. Rest, yeah,
1: rest in power, <laughs> Sandy and
0: Dennis. It's a real and Peggy moment. Mm. Uh, during the night, Meg's younger brother, Charles Wallace, welcomed a stranger in a large white dress named Mrs. What's-It into the Murray family house. She mentions the Tesseract, a type of space travel Alex was working on. Um... It is real, and they will. And then she leaves soon after. That was a terribly phrased sentence. The next day, one of Meg's classmates, Calvin O'Keefe, joins them to go <laughs> to the house of Mrs. Who. Now, An- John, why does why does he join them? I have no fucking idea.
1: Okay, so he sees. Meg stand up for her brother on the playground did by show throwing him the playground. a basketball into a face of another student, that was so good. which was awesome. Um, and she was being mean as heck. But I did really like how diverse the mean girls were. Yep. They were a yep. very diverse crew, which yep. I was like, this school seems to have transcended race, but girls are still mean. Yeah. So that's superb.
2: That was a very similar situation in Love <laughs> Simon. They that their elementary school probably feeds into the Love Simon high school. <laughs> Is this in the <laughs> land a, of Georgia? Do you know a where a this takes school? place?
1: It look for a while there, I thought it was New Orleans, but then I wasn't sure. There are definitely palm thinking, trees.
2: I was thinking L A.
1: Yeah, it could have oh, been L A. To, it's totally L totally
2: totally totally A. Totally L A. Totally yeah. It's the, totally the, the, the red, year red ago. tile roofs, like yeah, I didn't see, had, it had a real had a real South
0: Carolina. So before
1: south Southern California we, we are
0: in, we are in uh Massachusetts yeah 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 <laughs>
1: yeah this is uh Vermont uh, and uh you can tell because of the palm trees so mm-hmm. I just want to say uh mrs what's it played by Reese Witherspoon and mrs who played by Mindy kaling who when we see her first is like straight up embroidering a quilt which I think is pretty dope yeah that was a good for a shot I thought that was good yeah
0: Joins them to go to the house of Mrs. Who, another strange woman who only speaks in quotes and seems to know Charles Wallace. But she doesn't speak in quotes the entire time. Like no. Like, half the movie she doesn't. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. In the book, Didn't does Didn't really she... get that either.
1: The one part when she stops for the first time speaking in quotes, they explain why that is. Yeah. And the second time, it was not clear.
0: I thought okay. she was back to her normal power.
1: Okay.
2: So, I can see, you know, I haven't read the book, but I can see where within the scope of a book like having one character who speaks in weird cryptic phrases uh that only vaguely relate to everything else uh would work but in this medium where she is one of like five characters carrying the dialogue throughout a good chunk of the movie it's real tough to have like a lot of people who are spouting a lot of mumbo jumbo and then one character who is not even saying the actual mumbo jumbo just giving giving quotes.
0: I, I think that that is 100%. It comes down to when you're reading a book, you let your imagination do a lot of the heavy lifting. But in a movie, it is the director telling you, this is how we want you to see it. This is how we want you to hear it. And it did not work in this case. And I think you're totally right.
2: Yeah, I got... I feel bad because I, I like Minnie Kaling a lot. Totally. And I was just finding myself getting real Ill- irritated at her.
1: Yeah. I would say the main thing that this movie did excellently was makeup.
2: Yeah, costume design. (laughs) Oh my gosh! For
1: those three ladies was incredible, and I like that every time they move, they look different because in the book, these women are actually the human forms of like non-human beings or non—you know—android vessels. They're actually like these centaur beasts that live on Uriel, the first planet we go to. Um, Oh. Okay. Which is like they kind of alluded to that with like yeah. the leaf thing that that Mrs. Watson kind turns of, into. Kind of, she becomes
0: some cabbage or something.
1: Yeah, which kind of looked like the, her head was like hops, and then the rest of her body was like a big chard. Yep,
0: yep, <laughs> that's a very good description. Yeah, so thanks. I can't wait to get to that whole scene. Okay, when Calvin joins Megan Charles Wallace in their back. Va- okay, so that's that's his that is his first name Charles Wallace. Yeah. That is, I think, that, uh, it's a, I think it's a first middle. It's a first yeah, middle yeah, name totally. and he
1: always goes by that name and that's like big in the book and just uh, makes him I wish him more quirky.
0: people did that these days. Uh, when Calvin I, think joins, I think it's more common in the south. Yeah. In the southwest. Southeast. No, I know. I'm just kidding because they're
1: in LA. We're in SoCal. We've decided. <laughs> right. Uh, when <laughs> no. Calvin
0: joins Megan Charles Wallace in the backyard, Mrs. What's It appears with Mrs. Who and another woman, Mrs. Which? who is the oldest and appears as a giant. (laughs) The three... I love how Wikipedia chooses to gloss over certain things and then just really magnify certain parts of the plot that really don't matter. Appears as a giant.
1: I mean, they do make a couple of fun jokes about it. Because Charles Wallace speaking truth to power is like, you're too big.
0: It, like, doesn't even talk about the introduction of Charles Wallace into the family or anything? No. Okay. No. It mean, doesn't I, even say he's adopted.
1: I before. thought that that was, like,
0: kind
2: of a clever thing about the, like, continual uh, tabloid story that was Oprah's uh, fluctuating weight for, mm. you know, spanning multiple decades.
1: Yeah. I, I thought it was uh, more about how she's a giant among the rest of us. And she is. Right. <laughs> she,
0: she does, yeah.
2: <laughs> it's a, that's a good way to look at it, too.
0: The three reveal themselves as astral travelers and lead Meg, Calvin and Charles, uh, through a tesseract, taking them to a distant planet named Uriel. Yeah. Now, when, Uriel. when you say lead them, people who are familiar
2: with the Marvel Cinematic Universe might be imagining a little blue cube. A, bu- a blue that, bright cube. That gets like zapped with electrical energy and causes you to move through space and time.
1: I'm pretty sure Madeline Lingle did not copyright the word tesseract, which was her mistake.
0: Yes.
2: Right. <laughs> um, well, that, but that's um, a tesseract itself is, is like a representation of a four dim like a regular four dimensional um, equivalent of a cube, essentially. Like right. a square is to a cube as a cube is to a um, tesseract. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's no like physical thing that is the tesseract. And I kept wanting there to be one, and I think it was because of the of the MCU, where the yeah. tesseract is just a little little blue thing that allows you to do the thing, rather than
1: the thing gonna... itself. This is the verb tesseracting, tesseract, t- tessering, tessering is the yeah. verb.
0: Seracting. I don't know. What, I can't remember. <laughs>
1: Pterodactylite <laughs> is what you do to go from one.
0: I just wanted them astral
1: to... plane to another.
2: I just wanted them to show a little animation of what a Tesseract looks like just so that you could have... I guess that's kind of what the paper origami thing was.
1: Totally. Um,
0: but I just... Yeah, it, it was not clear. I like think they're things. using Tesseract, and I think this is building off what you said, as a form of just traveling great distances... Or something, right? Right,
2: but they're they're taking a, a word that has a concrete yes. meaning and yes. ignoring the concrete yes. meaning and abstracting it. Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
0: Okay. Mrs. What's It transforms into a beautiful green creature and takes the children up into the yeah, yeah is it? <laughs> up into the atmosphere where they see a dark shadow known as the It, capital IT. Mrs. Witch tells uh, Meg her father's experiments resulted in his being captured by the it. A uh, evil entity plotting to take over the universe. Gaining the woman's trust, Meg and the other, and the others test her to another planet where a seer known as the happy medium resides.
1: Um, Who well, in the book is a lady, by the way. Really? Mm. It's all women. But I will That's say... That's an
0: interesting choice, then.
1: Zach Galifianakis kicked it out of the park.
0: Absolute highlight.
1: Highlight. 100%.
0: The Happy Medium shows them Meg's father is trapped on a planet called Kamazots, Cam- mm-hmm. the 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 It's homeworld. <clears throat> Mrs. Witch also explains that It represents all of the greed, anger, pride, selfishness, and low esteem in the world. I had a I had a hard time understanding the
2: distinction between the It and Camazots, like the difference between the thing and the place where it lives. So Camazots
1: right. is the planet, and in the book, the planet like succumbs to. The it. I see it. Yeah.
0: Are all these. And so the planet ha- is conscious? It is like. It no, like
1: even... the. Just that whatever used to be on the planet, like all those people who were on the planet, they've all been taken over by. Oh, like all the... So I... I think it used to be a planet where things happened because um, it,
0: it like changes shape and stuff a bunch mm-hmm. yeah,
1: okay. it,
2: it felt to me like uh like from doctor strange another mcu connection it felt like dormammu to me the dark dimension
0: mm. i would relate it more to volume two where what's his name kind uh, of, ego the living yeah. planet yeah that's and another it, good connection with all the neurons in the middle anyway <clears throat> um I think Dor- Dormammu kind of had that too at yeah, the end. Yeah,
2: it did. Totally, you're right. You're talking about... Okay, I totally agree with that. But I just mean like the conflation <clears throat> of evil
0: place and evil being. Yeah. Sorry, not important point. <laughs> I, I, I think it helps people picture what we're trying to explain here. Showing them examples of these characteristics of all the bad things... Wait, hold on. D- what does the, does the destruction of all of it mean that all of that stuff is gone from the world? Or it's just not as... Close she does t- not
1: destroy it. She just contributes a lot to the fight against it. Oh,
0: okay, but I Is think the, it
1: never goes away.
2: Right, and the and the kids from that town in Maine have to keep fighting it every thirty years, right? Because yeah. <laughs> it keeps coming back. Totally. Or it keeps coming back. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yep. In mm-hmm. storm drains. Exactly and- right. They
2: could very easily be the same thing. They're they're so vaguely defined.
1: I really just like the idea of. Being able to pick all these different things that are actually in the same extended universe as each other and yep. just yep. leave yep. them on. It all. It's all Sauron. Yeah. yeah.
0: Uh, showing them examples of these characteristics, Meg learns that while Calvin is popular at school, which we didn't know, he, kind of, he is neglected and bullied by his father, and her school Emmy, uh, enemy, Veronica Kylie is extremely self conscious. The three. I, I have a couple. I'm of two minds
2: about that. On the one hand, I think it's such a it's such a like overused trope in movies for like bullies and mean people to have self esteem issues, uh, because in like in reality, bullies tend to have high self esteem and like fewer issues going on at home than uh, uh, than people who don't uh, exhibit bullying behavior. Uh, but at the same time, like. I don't know. Important for kids to be able to empathize uh, I think, yeah, I think with everyone, good. even you know people who they don't like. But I don't know. I'm still I'm still waiting for a movie that really explores like what it means to be a bully in a in a complex way that's relatable to kids. So far, Mean Girls is the only thing I've ever seen that's really been able to do it in a way where you're actually forced to like look at it and consider, hey, maybe I've been a bully in the past.
1: Because I think that's the main thing that you want to teach kids is that, like, it's not that there are bullies and then there are you. there's you. It's like we need to treat everyone with kindness and compassion and empathy. And that includes you. All, you know, you should be thinking about how you're doing that all the time.
0: Yeah.
1: I definitely said a lot of mean things to people when I was younger. And I have since, to some of them, apologized to their face. And it was a great healing moment for everyone. Highly recommend, highly recommend. especially you really? Especially That's those fantastic. people who forgot about it. There's this one girl. Shout out to Rachel. Rachel, if you're listening, super sorry. Um, is,
0: what are the odds that she's listening?
1: Super low. <laughs> but I hope she is. She's doing big things now. She's a registered nurse practitioner, just got married. Rachel um, was somebody who I found kind of annoying in middle school. And I recall a period when we were on the playground and I said... There, I guess there were a lot of people around. I just have this vivid memory of turning to everyone because I was kind of a loud mouth and just like said what I thought. So I just said, raise your hand if you don't like Rachel. <laughs> oh boy. Ooh. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, to the credit of my classmates, they were not down with uh, my actions. There we there. go. I did there not we get go. support. Um, and I think that helped me see the error of my ways because I was not enabled. Uh, by nice. the system, um, and then got to apologize later. Uh, and it did not scar Rachel for life, and for that, we can all be thankful.
0: That is. that is.
1: <laughs> anyway. I'm
0: glad it worked out, though, in the end. So, yeah. Veronica. So it's talking... <laughs> Back to Veronica. Uh, the three misses proposed they travel back to Earth to regroup, but Meg's refusal messes with the Tesseract, and they traveled to Kamazots instead. Is that really the language they use in the Wikipedia summary? Messes with? Yeah, but Meg's refusal messes with the Tesseract.
2: All right, well, I'm glad that their understanding of what was going on went no
0: deeper than my own. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it felt like a real mess It was a with. real
1: boomerang moment, and yeah. Uh,
0: upon arriving at Camazot's, Mrs. Witch, missus Watson, and Mrs. Who are unable to stay because Camazot's evil is stronger than their light. Before they depart, they bestow gifts upon Meg. These include Mrs. Who's glasses, the knowledge of Meg's faults, and the command to never separate, which is immediately
1: broken. 100% instantaneously.
0: The the trio treks through Kamazot's hazardous traps before reaching a crowded beach.
2: Oh boy, of all the of all the different segments of the movie, I the the crowded beach was so anxiety-inducing to me. Like, just the thought of having to navigate your way and, like, stay with the group. And Um, you're, like, sinking into
1: the sand a little bit because you you can't move very quickly. Right, and there's all these people,
2: and you can't, like, you're trying not to kick sand on anyone's blanket, and it's just crowded, and, like, the expectations of being at the beach are, like, everybody's trying to have a good time, and it's one of those situations where, like, uh, people get really, really fussy about, like, if, if someone's putting you in danger of
0: not having a good time then you're like snapping <laughs> people get snippy oh you're man all pretty dehydrated someone's getting a sunburn and yeah. then people just get yeah. real hyped. Yeah. yeah um was
2: like a lot of anxiety about a crowded beach that i think this movie taps into
0: real well um i want to say that in this scene or in this part of the movie they're supposed to be going through these trials on camazot's and they're going to be faced with all these uh, with all these challenges and they're not supposed to trust anyone.
1: And they don't know what's real and what's not and what's helpful and what's not.
0: My issue is the entire movie, I felt like they were just fading in and out of these random worlds. And they were always seeing these new, there's always new backdrops and new settings that I didn't feel like this was any different from the previous settings.
1: Hmm. That's a
2: very good point. The, mm-hmm. the whole movie felt the same way. Yeah. yeah.
1: And the only difference being this one, they're supposedly on the same planet the whole time and it changes right in front of them, rather than they tesseract between, yeah, settings. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I certainly didn't feel like the stakes had gone up all of a sudden once we were on this planet. It felt pretty the same.
0: Totally. They also, these challenges, I don't know how they were in the book, but I'm assuming in the book they're a little more heightened and they're a little more dangerous because these challenges, they kind of just blasted through them pretty quick. Especially when they're in, in a in in the cul-de-sac when they're not supposed to get invited. They don't want to go in when they get invited in to eat.
1: Yeah, I... Um, Do you I, remember anything about that? I remember that part because I leaned over to you during the movie and I was like, oh, I remember this part of the book. I just remember it being creepy because they, like, step onto this street. It's like a suburban street. And, like, all the kids are out bouncing balls at the same time. And basically what's happened is that the central intelligence of the IT... Has taken has like created a single mind across the planet. Oh, whole mind. Yeah, and so recreation time is like you go out onto your you know driveway Mm. and you bounce the ball until you're called for dinner, and then everybody goes in and it's all like routine and there's no individual activity.
0: So when they go from the forest that gets annihilated by a twister mm-hmm. to this town and mm-hmm. then to the beach, mm-hmm. are those all separate areas on the world? Because in the movie, it looks like they're on just kind of like this holograph, like kind of a, they're talking of like in VR, and they everything kind of melts away. Then a the new setting is set up. It's actually different areas in the world.
1: I mean, yes and no, right? I mean, the, the, the Misses world. talk about how the planet is a planet of many faces. And it
0: changes. And- yeah,
1: and so I think yes and no.
0: It's very interesting.
1: And also, <laughs> I think it doesn't matter.
0: <laughs> this this is weird. Okay. Uh, well, they're on a crowded beach where they meet its bodyguard, Red. I didn't know he was a bodyguard. Played by Michael Peña. Mm-hmm. Uh, he offers the starving children food and tells them Alex is safe and happy. He reveals to them there's nothing to worry here about here. But Calvin and Meg realize something is wrong when Charles Wallace proclaims all the food tastes like sand. When Red starts repeating the times tables, Charles Wallace is hypnotized by the rhythm, allowing it to take full control of Charles Wallace's mind.
2: I didn't understand that. I did not. I get mean, at I, all. I got that he was being hypnotized, but they never established that like the tables were a big thing for him.
1: Yeah, and um, yep. and in the book, Charles Wallace does that as a self-sacrificing act.
0: Mm. Um, that is totally different. So
1: Charles Wallace in the book has this sort of like mind-reading ability that is not really just dis- like explored in the movie. Um, and he deliberately looks the red-eyed man in the eyes in order to mind meld with him in order to figure out where their father is and lead them there. Um, and in that act gets taken over.
0: they they talk about Charles Wallace having he is he is one of the most brilliant people in the world at that time mm-hmm. And he says some pretty, he says, he says some. He just says the darndest things in this movie, but yeah. they don't go any further than that.
1: No, and I think it's <clears throat> so common for kids to be portrayed like this in movies now where there's like a child who knows more than they should or is like particularly insightful or really empathetic and, and it just doesn't feel different and new and exceptional. And he's
0: always going to be wearing a sweater vest. He's always going to have his hair combed. Yeah. The real Book of Henry type.
1: Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. These okay. clues to the mom to how to murder the neighbor. Oh my god. <laughs> That's a movie. It's real. Yes.
0: When Meg and Calvin pursue Charles Wallace, they find themselves in a seemingly empty room. Using Mrs. Who's glasses, Meg finds an invisible staircase leading to the room where her father is being kept prisoner. After bringing him out of captivity, the It's Powers allows Charles Wallace to forcefully drag them to finally meet his master. Ooh, the dragging <clears throat> scene, that was upsetting.
1: I leaned that over was... to John and said this was an early take of drag me to hell before they put the filters over it. <laughs> it was definitely intense. People are scrabbling with their hands and yikes.
2: Oh yeah. I don't gosh. know why, but that imagery was just real difficult.
1: I didn't love it. It's
0: challenging. I I enjoyed it more than the rest of it because it felt there was a heightened sense of danger. I felt true. like there was like actually something yes. bad happening.
1: Yeah, that's true.
0: It was disturbing a little bit. I totally agree. And it was probably also the least CGI part of the entire movie because they t- used like traditional props, but or excuse me, um, practical effects. As Calvin and Meg fall under the its power, Alex opens another Tesser and prepares to leave with the children, abandoning Charles Wallace. Meg refuses and projects out the Tesser herself leaving her alone. When she confronts Charles Wallace in corruption, she realizes that it uses deception and hatred for power. Using her love for her brother and the knowledge she, excuse me, using the love for her brother and the knowledge she is imperfect, Meg frees Charles Wallace from the control of the it and releases the control of Kamazots from the evil entity. The Three Misses return and tell Meg her time, (laughs) the Three Misses return and tell Meg her time is here to test her for herself. That's actually something they choose to say in this Wikipedia article. Returning home, Meg thanks the women for their help and for rescuing her father, and they part ways, while Veronica became nice to her. The film ends with the Murray family celebrating a joyful reunion and Calvin going home to confront his father. And that's the Wikipedia plot summary. Wow. (laughs) It's just, there's so many things at the end there.
1: I think the main thing that we missed in this film was um, the passage from the Bible, um, where God chooses uh, the foolish of the world to confound the wise and the weak to defeat the strong one Corinthians, um, which is just straight up quote that the misses give to the children at the end of the book.
0: Wow, <laughs> really? Yeah.
1: yeah. Uh, this is like right before they send Meg off to like do the dirty work. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they're like Jesus is with you, and um, yeah. yeah,
2: there is definitely like the the Christian themes are definitely present in the in the movie in um, in just sort of the way the battle between good and evil is portrayed as like good being sort of the default position, and then there being this evil force that is um, that is attempting to corrupt. Uh, good and that you know that that corruption happens within people's uh, hearts and minds Mm -hmm. uh, playing on their weaknesses and flaws yeah uh, and uh, and that you have these like select few who are like defenders of of goodness um, who have to like work against that uh, and
0: like spread their you know spread their light become warriors of the cause yeah Yeah, exactly.
1: Crusaders, if you will. Some
0: sort of, yeah, some sort of crusader. something like? In the Holy Land. (laughs) On Earth. Yeah. Um, Going into general thoughts, what really jumped out at you? Is there something that we missed going over the plot that you want to talk about?
1: I mean, I think the overall presentation was very spectacular um, in terms of... You know, it clearly wasn't meant to be presented as CGI that looks really real. Everything's very fantastical. Yeah. And I think that speaks to, you know, the experience of these kids being brought to these places that are really shocking. Something I really liked was how the main gal, Meg, I thought her reactions felt very real to a lot of the mystical things she was being presented with. And she was really resistant to them, which I thought was really um, believable. Yeah. in a way that I think a lot of times children are not in, in stories like this where they readily accept mystical and magical elements to a story because somehow, yeah, kids are just more, like, open to that sort of thing. But Meg sort of isn't, and I, I thought that played really well.
0: Okay.
2: Yeah. I, I agree with that, um, and I want to credit uh, the actress's performance in that regard. Uh, at the same time uh her line delivery uh at certain points uh dealing with some of the just the tougher scenes and like tougher line deliveries i think it seemed like she was struggling mm. uh and i think all all three of the kids really seemed to be struggling at certain points mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. Uh, charles wallace i mean it was just such a such an outlandish character and kids at that age have such of a, a performative quality to them. Like, uh, that like when they are outgoing kids, uh, they're if of the three, he felt the most believable in that way, just because it was so heightened and kids can be heightened like that. Yeah. Um, but I thought they all, all three were not, not amazing, uh, performances
0: yeah one of y'all said this in the car right back and i think i totally agree with it uh you said that the movie was very ambitious and it really shot for the stars <clears throat> it didn't quite land there but i think that it checked off some of the items it wanted to do it felt like uh there were so many things that they were trying to accomplish from the book and i don't think it quite understood that you just don't have you have to chop pieces out you don't have to show everything that the book shows or does and i think that that's where it kind of got caught up a little bit
1: yeah i think i i would have wished it had focused more on some themes of the book and taken those to a really deep level um, rather than trying to show everything that the book right. described but yeah. with that all being said keep giving ava duvernay billion dollar movies that's my like f- main thought
0: yeah
1: <laughs> like she is a great filmmaker She's made so many good movies before and a lot of the hype, you know, coming into this film was like, she's been giving a billion dollar budget. Women rarely get billion dollar budgets as directors. And when they do and the movie doesn't do well, they never get a second chance ever. And it
2: gets gets used for other uh, female directors as reason not to give them.
1: Exactly. And yet James Cameron's still out here making movies. And other people, Christopher Nolan's still out here making don't movies. Worry, we
2: still have two and a half years to brace ourselves for the next Avatar movie.
1: <laughs> Michael Bay's still, still out here making movies. So keep giving to Burney all the money. Yeah, the fact
2: that Avatar Two is coming out in December 2020 is just
0: hilarious to me, and I don't know why. It's 11 Shit. years. <laughs> She made um, she made some really cool choices. I thought with the cinematography, I don't think there was a single shot where the camera was just standing still. Ooh, a lot of them were just moving, sweeping
1: in and out. I thought this movie would be really cool in IMAX. I, there were some moments where I was like, "Ooh, this would be neat in IMAX just to experience the, the yeah all that movement."
0: There was, I think, the first wide shot was actually when they first landed on that planet. Everything else is all close up until mm. they get to that planet, then just opens up. I was also
2: noticing. I think this is this is kind of a, a small thing, and I might have just been sort of imagining it. Um, but uh, kind of getting into the into the technical side of the cinematography of the directing, there were parts where it would uh, the movie would cross cut between different actors' faces, and the eye lines were not consistent, uh, or um, or they would break the plane, or um, just a character would be standing next to a character that they weren't standing next to before. And I I noticed this especially in the first act of the movie, uh, as well as times where you would see the same same event happening from multiple uh, camera shots. And I thought that um, where I think I might, you know, otherwise be attributing that to um, just shoddy filmmaking from a technical side, I am really thinking that that was a that was an intentional choice by Ava DuVernay um, to shake up the feeling of time and place that's traditionally given to you um, in film, uh, and to even from before any sort of fantastical things are happening, uh, still give you this slightly uneasy feeling with what you are seeing.
1: Yeah. I really noticed that, too, and by the end, I came to the same conclusion you did, especially when um, they're they're on Camazots and the Misses are giving them their gifts, Um, and um, the way the Misses are standing, it goes from left to right, Mindy Kaling, Oprah in the middle, and Reese Witherspoon uh, on on the right when you're looking at it, and then Meg is on our left, but then all of a sudden she's in front of Reese Witherspoon Totally. to get her thing. I didn't even
2: notice that, but I, it makes perfect sense. And
1: that was when I was like, Oh, what? I wonder if that's not, it's not really a mistake. It's more like that in this world, especially these three mystical beings can just move you around and move themselves around and change your perception of what you're seeing based on convenience. Yeah. Um, so that totally you know
2: walk because walking is I agree
0: and I, so earthly pedestrian yeah,
2: yeah and I think that's throughout the movie you're seeing things that would otherwise be continuity errors or just um, like breaking sort of these technical rules of, of filmmaking um, but yeah doing it in a way that un unpins you from, uh, from this like linear uh, filmmaking that you're used to and right. totally fits within the theme of the movie
0: yeah i agree uh are there any other things you want to talk about with this film we haven't really
2: talked about calvin i didn't care for calvin
1: he's fine
0: totally unnecessary
1: i like the hand holding we talked about that in the car there was a lot of hands holding. True. i thought the hand holding was nice and you know it's always nice for somebody to hold your hand in a moment of crisis especially I think for Meg, you know, someone who's not in her family because she knows those people are supporting her no matter what and that her brother loves her no matter what. And what she needs to understand is that there, is that there are other people who care about her for reasons that are not like familial obligation um, and familiarity, that there are people who actually admire and enjoy spending time with her because of who she is. Um, so I was down for the handholding. But like I said in the car, I'm super glad there was no kissing. Except for the parents, but they're already married, so.
0: Between Calvin and Meg. Yeah, oh, that good.
1: between Calvin and Meg, I'm really pleased. The
0: kiss got
2: a great reaction from one of the kids in the audience awesome. sitting behind us. Yeah. yeah. Just a classic, ugh! Yeah, uh. not,
1: not psyched about it. <coughs>
2: yeah, if only we'd had Spritel and Chim Chim come on to warn us <laughs> ahead of time. If you're remembering this from the end of Speed Racer... Oh, it's infuriating. Oh, this sounds because really it's like familiar. the big climactic kiss at the end, and yes. then these two fucking
0: characters <laughs> just come on
2: and ruin it. Just
0: completely ruin it. Isn't that kind of their that character, is right. though? Is that yeah. like what they do? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that movie's great. Oh, love Speed Racer. Love it. I really enjoyed how Chris Pine didn't try to eclipse everyone else. Agreed. I think this is a
2: strength of Chris Pine's. Is that. Earlier in his career, he was being set up as uh, as traditional leading man. Mm-hmm. He's a handsome white guy, yep. uh, um, you know, very just kind of masculine figure, great body, mm-hmm. um, and you know he was set on this track of the uh, of the Star Trek movies, and uh, there were a lot of talks for him to play um, a Marvel hero, a DC hero, um, and he took this side path. Where he's been great. I mean, the he's been good, fine in the in the Star Trek movies, but those haven't really been these like massive blockbuster events. They they've been sort of like middle of the road, right. AAA movies. But then, yeah, him taking the um, the romantic interest role in Wonder Woman, and yep. just totally subverting like what it means to be that kind of character as as a man uh in this position where he's like um you know where he's competent and doing stuff but in no way overshadowing uh Wonder Woman <coughs> and then exactly. and then in this movie also I agree I think it was a very very restrained usage of him and I think his performance was very restrained as well yeah
1: he also plays one of the the princes in Into the Woods right Oh. Which is fun. And I yeah. think to play that part, you really kind of need to have some self awareness about being cast as a leading man and totally. that being like goofy and funny, and that, you know, pr- like princes like Disney princes don't really exist, and that it's, you know, it's all yeah. an image. And yeah. Yep.
0: Yeah.
2: I do feel a little bit just sad about the fact that he's probably what, like 42 or something. And he is, uh, and he looked like i could believe him as being maybe a couple years older than me he's only 37 and he also and they were giving him gray hair and the he, beard just cuz he was not like without it he would not have been believable as as a dad yeah you just go like, oh, shut up cuz he's so fucking good looking you're too hot to be <laughs> yeah, a dad exactly. oh. yeah oh it's terrible
1: um he's he's russian jewish did you know
0: i did not know that i'm very happy to hear that yeah <laughs> Um, okay, so we've talked about Colin. We've talked about Chris Pine. Um, the mother played by played oh, by Gugu yeah. Mbatha-Raw. Love Rock. her. She's great.
1: Well, is she in?
0: Uh, let me look it up. I've she's definitely in, um, seen her in a bunch of things. Uh, she, I know this. Oh, she was in uh, Beauty and the Beast. Oh. She she played uh, uh, the duster. Yes. Plumet.
1: Plumet. Uh, Plumet. Yep. Plumet. Who Ooh. is? Who's uh, <laughs> romantically entangled with Lumiere, right? Yes. Oh, yeah.
2: so super weird thing though, because four years earlier she starred as Belle in the movie Belle. Whoa! And then for the big budget one, she gets downgraded Deloated to a inanimate oh, object. That's so fucking rough. Yeah. Um, that's but so she was uh she was recently in the Cloverfield paradox yeah. that. Netflix movie that, holy shit, yeah.
1: that
2: was a weird one. Um, also some Listen, weird actors
1: are working people too. And oh, sometimes sh- you just got to take a movie to make some money.
2: Oh, and of course, um, probably my favorite thing that she's in is in the
0: episode San
2: Junipero
0: of oh, Black Mirror. Oh,
1: that's where we know her from. Yes. Oh, that's where we Absolutely. know her and love her from. Yes, we're big fans.
0: You, you, you don't remember from Jupiter Ascended?
1: Was she and Jupiter sending our yeah. favorite film of all time? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's the worst. Yeah. Listeners, we've, if you can't, if you can hear the sarcasm like in your got, voice,
2: I like how we've got two Wachowski films uh, called out in this podcast already. One of which we love, <laughs> one of which we hate. Neither of which are like anywhere close to their best known works. Yeah. Um, Matrix. Who cares? Give me Speed Racer. Give me Speed Racer
1: any day. Yeah. Uh, Zach
0: Galifianakis was funny. Michael Pena. Oh, we loved Zach
1: Galifianakis. Was like emotional, and I felt, um, yeah, just like uh, there was a depth in that scene that did not exist elsewhere in the film. Maybe
2: it was just because it was like, oh yeah, this is what people are
0: like. This is what human be. This is how human beings. That is that is totally right. Well, I mean, think about it. You have these three goddesses, essentially. Then you have three kids. And then I think, I also, I will say, Zach Galifianakis in general, when he steps onto a set, this is my opinion, but I think it's pretty concrete, <laughs> he is able to fill in a lot of gaps. when He'll like look around and kind of get the chemistry of the, of mm. the, of the cast and mm. be like, and he can kind of just fade into it. Totally. into It's that improv instinct. Totally. That's exactly it.
2: He yes-ands everything
0: that's going on. He, he's funny. Yeah, um, I thought
1: he knocked it out of park.
0: So, is there anything else we want to talk about before we move into the final bit of this podcast? Oh,
1: we love the soundtrack. We love yeah. the score. I thought the music was great.
0: Yep. Yeah. It, 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 it really
1: complemented everything that we were seeing. Yeah. Yes.
0: The costumes, the hair, the makeup.
1: Technically really beautiful. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Nice. So, let's move into uh, high points and low points. Let's start with low points. I'll say my low point. Uh, it's when, I don't know if this happens in the book, it's when uh, Calvin falls off the cabbage
1: Oh, the, yeah. The
0: cabbage dragon. <laughs>
1: yeah. There are no cabbage dragons it's, in the book, so yeah, it doesn't it,
2: happen. I mean, it's kind of like Appa or like the oh, the luck dragon from Never Ending Story.
1: It was so yeah. Never Ending Story. I was That's thinking what about, I thought. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, it, there's, a, there's a lot of stuff they introduced in this movie that okay. could have been cut. And this is one of those scenes that could totally been cut. Okay. It had nothing to do with anything. No,
1: it just kind of introduced, like, there will be danger. <laughs> yeah. He,
0: like, he, like almost. Anyway, he falls from like 30,000 feet <laughs> and then these, these, these roses, these flowers come up and catch him. That's kind of it. And it, it, it was a, it was a terrible scene.
1: Yeah. I think it also just sort of underscores like Mrs. What's-It being new to the game. Yeah. It's her first mission. I
0: see.
2: I'm going to go even more specific within that same scene for my low point, oh, which it. is when... Uh, which is when Meg tries to explain how they're able to Ooh. like lift up their arms <laughs> and start flying. And she's like, uh, it's a process of fluid dynamics called lift.
0: Like <laughs> that doesn't explain shit. <laughs> that's, just, that's just basically saying, okay, I now know more terms, but now I don't know how anything works. Right. <laughs> it's magic. Yeah. Don't
2: pretend that this isn't magic.
1: Yeah. I did not love uh, the end kind of, fight scene the climax with um with meg and uh charles wallace who'd been taken over by the it because it felt almost identical to the big uh, like closing fight scene at the end of guardians of the galaxy 2 oh totally like, totally like yeah. where they've got like the uh tentacles of the brain and it's all like <laughs> you need to destroy it and it just felt exactly the same as that. both of them look also... within i didn't understand yeah.
2: what the it was trying to accomplish by like yeah. grabbing her with the tentacle things like yeah. the the like i get that violence is part of evil but yes. but i didn't understand like what it was trying to accomplish by being
1: violent
0: and of the galaxy i kind of thought it
1: was trying to turn her against her brother because he was controlling it mm. and making it hit her. Okay. And so then she would eventually, like, forget how much she loved him.
2: Okay. So, like, Darth, like the Emperor forcing Darth Vader to try and kill Luke.
1: Indeed.
0: Yeah. That's actually a really good parallel.
1: Anyway.
2: Okay. Um, we all know how that
0: goes. <laughs>
2: uh, high points. I really like when John tries
0: to move us on from something and then I say one more thing. <laughs> it just...
1: <laughs> Uh, if I could just tack on another point.
0: My high point is this next thing I'm going to say. <laughs> uh, do you have a high point you guys want to say? Go for it. I'm going to tell you my high point right now.
2: Not before I do. <laughs> oh, because boy. mine, and I'm going to take this and <laughs> claim it, was Zach Galifianakis's scene.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, yeah.
2: We've cool. already talked about it, but it was just great. It was really good. So human. Even though the character he was portraying, I think, was not meant to be human. You just brought humanity
0: to the role. Can I say my sarcastic high point? Yes. My sarcastic high point is Meg trying to communicate with the flowers. She's like, How will it communicate with us? And then yeah. Reese Witherspoon says, Sometimes you just got to go for it. Yeah. You and, just then she, try. and then she. And then Meg tries to communicate with the flowers. And then Reese Witherspoon's like, Oh, no, you're not going to be able to understand them, but I can understand them. And I go, Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> But for real, my yeah, for high real. point. <laughs> She's just nagging her. Yeah. <laughs> uh, my high point was um, Charles Wallace before he became evil, I guess. Hmm. I like Charles Wallace a yeah, lot. Yeah, he's
1: a cutie pie. My for real high point is definitely Meg throwing a basketball in the face of <laughs> Victoria. <laughs> uh, I just like that she let her rage monster out. And also, basketballs don't really hurt people, so it's fine. I
0: love how they all make the same ping sound when they hit someone. Oh, my God. He, oh, that was such a good scene.
1: Also, the way she goes home and her mom is like, "Like you hit her in the face. And she's like, Mom, she's mean. <laughs> Like, that's girl, so. Yes.
2: That's so real.
1: She's so mean. Why like, won't anyone listen? Right.
0: <laughs> people. And,
2: people only like adults only respond when when kids act out. They yes. don't. They don't try and identify the things that led yes. to the acting out. Right. I. I was actually also.
1: And she's not just like mean, like just saying mean things. She literally like says puts a note on her locker saying, happy anniversary of your dad's disappearance. Wish you'd disappear too. F you.
0: Yeah. There is, You're the worst. There's like so much yeah. stuff where I wanted the adults. In my head, I was just screaming like, why are none of these adults looking into any of this? <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah.
0: Oh, that principal was real shitty. Where
1: are my adults at?
0: <laughs> oh,
2: Who man. was that actor? He looked familiar. I was actually just about to look that
1: up. Yeah. Jer- Jerome Jenkins? principal jenkins yeah yeah
2: and it had i liked that they tied it back in when they were explaining uh when they were explaining the
1: The how the it works Mm -hmm. in
2: terms of influencing people and like people indulging in the kind of their worst impulses yes Um, how he
1: got promoted and somebody else didn't and that person felt you know that maybe they deserved it more and then just felt yucky and like jealous and i know what that's like
0: uh, his name is Andre Holland. He's in um, 42, Moonlight. Uh, oh, yeah. American Horror Story. Moonlight. Selma. Moonlight is what I saw recently. Selma, like, another
1: Ava DuVernay film.
0: That's right. Yep. Cool. Okay. Would you guys recommend this movie to a friend?
1: I think if they were under the age of 15, yes. I thought this movie was <laughs> beautiful to look at. And I think there are parts that would make kids go, oh. And which is what you want—a good kids movie. They
0: would also be going,
1: ugh. Yeah, which you also want.
0: I think if listen, you're...
1: kids, people kiss. It happens. <laughs> Get over it.
0: I think if you're a
2: parent who really liked Interstellar and want to in- instill some of the oh, same themes yes. uh, to your kid, but they they don't seem ready and old enough yet. Watch this movie instead because they're they're very similar.
1: And also, Matthew McConaughey isn't in this one, so that's a big plus.
0: that, yes. that is true. <laughs> yep. Okay, let's talk about what's coming out next weekend. Do you oh, know? Aaron? Before we do that, I, I want to
2: just talk a little bit about our theater experience. Oh yeah. Uh, because oh, there yeah. Were, there were probably about twenty five people total At in the theater. The most. Uh, and we the seats that we chose. It was a theater that does assigned seating, like. Yeah. Uh, Many of them do nowadays, uh, but has really not been going on for that long. Only the last two or three years, I think, has it become so commonplace. Um, We go in, and uh, sure enough, another another group has decided to sit in the seats that were assigned to us. We take it in stride.
1: NBD. We're cool. There are other seats for us. No problemo.
2: Yeah, we go ahead, we seat in the row, seat ourselves in the row directly in front of where we were supposed to sit. All's well. All settled. The next two groups that come in, their minds are just completely boggled by the (laughs) scenario that they're facing.
1: Also, they both happen to be groups where one of our seats is in their section or two of their seats are in their section.
2: Right, and it causes this domino effect of people entering the theater, realizing that their seat has been taken, and just not knowing what to do. And we had the same interaction with multiple people who were just like, "Um, excuse me, I think we had those seats. Like, well, yeah, but there's other people.
1: There are, people folks, are
0: seats.
2: <laughs> folks, and then- you have been to movie theaters before. It worked just fine for decades and decades and decades without assigned <laughs> seating. Things worked Fine, 99% of the time. I understand why they moved to assigned seatings for that 1% of the time, but 25 people in the whole theater. I think we can figure this out.
1: Also, we got the same response from two different groups, which is when we said that there were other people sitting in our assigned seats, which is why we sat where we sat. They said, well, if people come and kick us out of our seats, we're like, it's coming to you next. We like, were like, okay.
2: Okay, yeah. <laughs> I'll <laughs> take those odds. <laughs>
1: Great. Oh, boy. Um, Drama. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: I, I, I was going through, like, I was trying to pick this whole situation apart as we were going through it. And I said, this is why assigned season, seating really doesn't work sometimes. Because if someone decides, I'm not gonna, then it really fucks it all up. And then I think... The difficulty is trying to get everyone back into the mindset of, oh, that's okay, I'll sit wherever. you know No one's going to have to sit up front in the front corner where their neck is going to be like broken after they come out of the theater.
1: And in the time when you've gotten your tickets and gone up the escalator and maybe gotten a snack or go to the bathroom, whatever you do, people apparently just get really attached to that assigned seat. <laughs> I
0: was seat about to say.
1: In that two-minute period, and they're just like, that's my spot. And they're like imagining their theater experience <laughs> from that perspective like us we're gonna be in the middle and like one row up from that center like handicap row perfect and then everything gets thrown when you walk in because you just imagine yes
0: they didn't pay more for the seats they didn't know they were gonna get those seats until they arrived at the theater but you're totally right they get very much attached to it and there's something about just humans There's like but those are my seats doesn't matter though but those are my (laughs) seats and i i can see both sides of the equation
2: here because uh my my father is uh he is a just a chronic uh seat improver uh he's always looking he's always looking to improve his situation uh and this goes for uh scenarios where you are assigned seating and people are paying different amounts for different seats And so at um you know at basketball games at baseball games uh you know we're just we'll get to a point you know he'll kind of make the determination of uh all right that's the section i'm going to try and shoot for i see some open seats uh we're going to make a move and um you know i i grew up learning you know you just got to go with the flow and uh things will work themselves out sometimes you'll have an uncomfortable interaction with a stranger sometimes most of the time things will be fine either way it really doesn't fucking matter <laughs> someone uh, took my seats today. My, yeah. my dad is like an evangelist about this he's he's actually sent me he's sent me an article uh some op-ed <laughs> from uh from a newspaper that someone wrote about uh the moral the idea that fans of a of a home team have a moral imperative uh, to move down and uh, move, get as close <laughs> and pack in as close oh, to the field gosh. or court as, as possible. That's
1: awesome. That's so great. That's like you and me with taking people who taking people's food when they leave it behind.
0: Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, Seriously? Definitely. You'll oh. cash in on...
1: Oh, definitely. Yeah. When the food costs $8 at the stadium and people Oh, it's at a stadium. Yeah. Oh. They leave. One, they're not throwing There's... it out. Shame on them. Two... They didn't eat all of their eight dollar garlic fries. Shame on them. Three, we're waiting till the bitter end, and we need sustenance, so we're about to eat those fries. No friends.
2: Also, garlic fries are are kind of good when they're when they're room temperature. Yeah. Oh my gosh.
0: <laughs> okay, what about like a half eaten hot dog? Oh. You're talking about you're talking about. It depends.
1: I would think are about there, it. I would there, think about <laughs> it.
0: <laughs> are there
2: condiments already on it or not? There's, if there's, some,
1: there's something in me where, f- like, when free food is presented to me, I try to eat as much of it as I can. I, I get I'm that. I'm with you. Because somehow I think, like, the opportunity will never come again, which is never true. Like, I right. always go to more potlucks and more things where people feed me and somehow i think like eventually that's gonna run out well i better get life. this now my no, god,
0: <laughs> what if they what if they double charge Junior and end up paying 92 dollars for oh my god. <laughs> fish and chips and chicken tenders <laughs> that's
1: right oh god that must have been traumatic i'm sorry that happened it's to
0: fucking you. ridiculous um okay so on that note let's go into predictions for next week aaron do you know what is coming out next week I don't know what kind of note no, that I, was.
2: I appreciate I appreciate that. Someone's gotta keep us on on task.
1: There's only one movie <laughs> coming out next week, right? Um,
2: I think that there are two. Two. Um, three says well, John's so we, have the, well, we have the we have the wide expansion of Isle for Dogs. Mm. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Yep, that's right. Um, so that's one of the three.
0: No, that was my, a different one. There's oh. three there's three separate ones I'm looking at right mm. here. I am not sure about one of them though.
2: So Okay, one of them I think is like a horror slash thriller movie that I know nothing about. Truth or Dare? Oh yes. god. This yeah. has
1: been showing in my YouTube like previews <laughs> when I watch like Samantha B. Um, which is just, YouTube does not get me.
2: So you've seen the first 15 seconds of the trailer many times.
1: No, I've seen the first two seconds before I put it on mute, because hell to the no, am I watching any more than three seconds of a horror movie trailer? (laughs) Okay. YouTube does not, uh, they're not using my Facebook data. Let me tell you right now, they're not using it. (laughs) Because if they were, they would get me. Not about
2: that. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Maybe if you had a movie so, pass, they would know you a little better. Including Truth Straight or Dare, there are data. four
0: then. Five including the Dogs. What? Now, I don't know about a couple of these. though. I think you're in, I think.
1: Is Beirut coming out? Yep. Hey. But that's not Wait, wide release. Is... And
0: that's also coming out tomorrow. Mm. But that that's okay. not one of them. Yeah, we. Gosh, okay.
1: Yeah,
2: we generally only track the wide releases that have a chance of making the top
0: five. Okay. Um, all right, give us some genres. Yeah. Okay, one of them is a um, animation.
1: And it's not Isle for Dogs.
0: Nope. It has a dog in it though, and it's a wide release. This one is flown completely under my radar.
1: Secret Life of Pets two.
0: It's close. Do you, Do you want me to tell you? Is it a sequel? Sure. Sergeant Stubby, an American hero.
1: Nope. Great. Never heard of it.
0: Moving on to the I next
2: just one.
1: Don't,
0: I think you're making up movies. <laughs>
1: John, Let me tell you about John the... over here putting putting words into a random movie title generator.
0: Let me tell you about the next one then. Okay, this one stars Shia LaBeouf and is a drama. What? No, no, I'm It's sorry. a wide release. It says wide release. God
1: damn it. Um, even Stevens, all grown up. <laughs>
0: it's a tennis movie. <laughs>
1: Oh,
2: is it Borg movie. versus McEnroe? Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. okay, I did know that. That's That's got to be barely... This is like a technical wide release. It's it's say, to it like, says nationwide. It's got to so. be like... Well, nationwide is different from wide release. Uh, okay. okay. I think. Okay. I guess nationwide could
1: be two theaters right. in Nation- Los Angeles, one in New York, and one in Atlanta. Yep. Exactly. Yep. Okay.
0: Exactly. <laughs> Moving to the next one, uh, Action Adventure. Okay, this one For is adults. the one I feel like we should know.
1: For adults, mostly? PG-13. PG-13, okay. Um, so is it kissing? connected
0: to an existing franchise? No. It's actually connected to a video game franchise. What did you
1: say? I says so there's probably kissing. If it's probably. PG-13, yeah. There's probably. Video game.
0: Uh, not a franchise. It was one video game.
1: I'm not going to guess because I'm going to make a fool of myself. Because <laughs> you already narrowed it down too much.
0: Starring Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Oh, Rampage. Rampage, yep. Mm. That's, not the, that's like arcade era. I remember playing it for N64. It was originally on arcade. Uh, yeah, I cool. think
2: it's a little bit older than that. I think it's part of the 16-bit arcade era. Cool.
0: Yeah. Rampage. I
2: forgot. How could I forget about Rampage? That's the latest in the string of high-profile sign language movies after A, <laughs> qui- after a Quiet Place and The Shape of Water and some others that I'm forgetting about.
1: Wow.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, dwayne johnson
1: Bobby's coming in hot dwayne in johnson
2: Hollywood. wiggles his hand a few times in the trailers and it's supposed to be a gorilla sign language
1: okay <clears throat> great all right um
0: yeah so we got the two are truth or dare sergeant stubby and ramp the three are truth or dare sergeant stubby rampage as well as Oliver dogs i love dogs and that's going up against which when
1: you say really fast is i love dogs
0: i love dogs uh, going up against A Quiet Place, Ready Player One, Blockers, Black Panther, Tyler Perry's Acrimony. Yeah, what do you got What do you got? Uh, predictions wise.
1: Okay, staying at the top, number one, I think A Quiet Place is going to maintain. Reviews have been really good. I think people who wouldn't normally see horror who will be convinced by their friends that it was a good movie and a little bit different than a traditional horror film will be convinced to go see it. Um, after the rave reviews and it just being kind of an interesting take and just a different concept. Uh, two, I've got Isle of Dogs, because uh, everybody loves dogs and it's going into wide release. And, um, I think, you know, we need more good kids movies out there. So I hope this is a good one. We'll see how it goes. Then I got Ready Player One and number three. Um, I'm interested in seeing that movie, so I kept it in the mix, um, but I've heard it's not great, but I think it will still play strong with teens and, and kind of that middle section of, of audience goers who are looking for something a little more older than Isle of Dogs, but, you know, can't, right. can't go see some of those higher rated films. Uh, Black Panther staying steady at number four. Um, and Truth or Dare popping into the top five at number five.
0: I fucked up. I like your top five, and I realized I completely forgot to have Black Panther in there.
2: Well, I just realized I forgot to have cock blockers in there.
1: Oh, sorry.
0: Yeah. Are we
2: are we just calling it blockers? Are we pretending
0: it, like it's called blockers? But yeah, so the
1: chicken was, is like the picture. Right chicken blockers. Yeah. Rooster blockers. Okay. Yeah.
0: Mine. <laughs> I'm gonna keep. Uh, I'm gonna. I actually gonna put Rampage at number one. Okay. I always underestimate Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Okay. And that's not happening this week. Yeah,
1: then. okay, good for you.
0: Thanks. <laughs> uh, number two, I'm going to put A Quiet Place. Number three, thank you, I'm yeah. going to put Isle of Dogs. Number four, I'm going to put Black Panther. And number five, I'm going to have Ready Player One.
1: Okay. Yeah, I think you're right about Blockers, though, being still on the mix, because it is getting good reviews. Yep. And a movie like that, that's kind of like a goofy comedy getting, like, pretty good reviews almost guarantees people will keep going to see it because yep. it, you know, turns out to be, like, not be the dumbest movie released and, yep. you know.
2: Same thing happened with Game Night. Yeah. It's, you know, perfectly fine, nice little comedy movie. Did really well at the box office. Yeah. Because there just hadn't been one
1: in a while. Yeah. It's not my genre.
2: Uh, my top five are also going to be pretty different uh, from... All y'all. Uh, so I have number one, it, Rampage, of course. Uh, number two, I'm putting a Quiet Place. Uh, I have Isle of Dogs at number three. Uh, I still I don't know how many theaters it's going to come out on. So there's a pretty wide range uh, okay. as well. I think that the stop motion animation, there are a lot of a lot of children uh, don't really connect to that visual style, hmm. um, and so it it can be as well the um, you know sort of the quirky like the trailers have all been for adults um, there there has not been a single trailer made for the movie that has like attempted to connect directly with kids mm. which granted I think is smart because who makes the decisions of what kids movies to go see mm-hmm. uh, hopefully it's the parents mm-hmm. um, anyway I have Isle of Dogs at 3 that's pretty optimistic uh, but hopeful uh number four i have blockers and fifth i have black panther that means that uh i've got ready player one um dropping out of the five i think because the reviews have been pretty mixed uh it's going to fall down a little quicker than the better reviewed movies here i also have truth or dare failing to make the top five because i think uh the horror movie audience is still going to be going to see a quiet place okay
0: that's well, my reasoning. Those are my picks. Boom. We'll see. Devin, thank you so much for joining us.
1: It was great. For this. I had so much fun.
0: I'm glad you had a good time. We'd love to have you back on the cast sometime. Yeah. Um, Speak for yourself. No, I'm, I'm kidding. It, it was a lot of fun. This was the Wrinkle in Time 5th Best Movie Podcast. My name is John. With a little bonus of Pacific Rim Uprising. Yes. With a little bonus of your guys' uh, weird... Choices that you make at sporting events.
1: There were a lot of side <laughs> Yeah. Side we conversations. Had, we
0: had fun with it. You know, we went places. Just like the movie. Yep,
2: True. Time passed. <laughs> just like the movie. Indeed. Um, and now we're back.
0: Here we are. <laughs> just like the movie. Thanks for listening, everyone. My name is John. I'm Aaron. And I'm Devin. Have a good one.